from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 186 of the Kessel Run. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm John. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, we are back to do another Kessel Run. Uh, this time we will not be doing Micronauts. <laughs> um, as much as we love it and as much as we are going to continue with that, uh, this one's actually to pick up where we left off on another Kessel Run, which I'm sad to say was almost three years ago. <laughs> um we're going to cover some old Marvel classic G.I. Joe again. Um, John, I look back to see when the last time we covered an issue from the Marvel run, and I believe, if I remember right, it was August of 2014. Wow. So, so well, I'm glad to be around for this one. Although <laughs> I will say, Dallin and Sepsis. <laughs> we did forget to do that last episode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was August, like I say, I think it was August when I looked it up of 2014 and I was like, cause we had been talking about going back and read, uh, or picking back up with the GI Joe run and the, and the star Wars run and stuff like that and transformers and everything else. But, uh, I didn't realize how much time I had let go by without getting back to doing those things. And I was like, and when I saw what it was, I was like, Oh my God. I was like, we have to start doing these issues again. Uh, our, our basis of our show is these classic eighties comic runs for the most part. You know, I mean, I know it's the property itself, but you know, we do tend to focus on the comics and I'm like, man, we, we didn't cover anything for over two years. Um, and I know this is stuff that our listeners really liked us covering. So I, you know, I, I'm sorry, everyone, (laughs) but, um, not only did I leave them hanging for two and a half years of us covering an issue, but the issue we left them with was a cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, in that issue, we had left Quinn and Dr. Venom and Snake Eyes at the bottom of a lake uh, with Snake Eyes tapping on on the the vault that they were trapped in. And that's the last we saw of them for two and a half years. So... Uh, so, so yeah, that was a bad, bad, bad move on our part, or my part. Um, but before we get into the issue, uh, you and I have both have, have had a couple things happen. Uh, just recently, you and I actually got to get together, because you were actually down in Columbus again. We did, and uh, restaurant tip for those of you that are ever in, uh, where were we? Somewhere? I can't uh, remember where we were uh, now. Yeah, what was the name of that city? It Was it Mansfield? Is that where we were? Mansfield, downtown field place. That's, that is the place to go to have, have a great sandwich. It was excellent. Yeah, it was. We had a good time. Uh, it was yeah, Uncle John's, and it was uh, it was a good time in Mansfield. And uh, like you said, good food. Uh, 
probably not the best thing for me to be eating at the time, but <laughs> but it was uh, it was definitely delicious. Um, it was fun to catch up in person, uh, hang out for a bit, and everything else. And uh, and then since then, uh, you have had quite the experience. Uh, I know something really big, big deal for for you. So why don't you tell the listeners uh, what you had the opportunity to do? So I talked several episodes ago about the fact that uh, Ben Folds is one of my favorite musicians of all time. I saw him for the first time back in 1996 uh, with Ben Folds 5. And I think Heidi said she can't remember now how many shows I've been to. But uh, I had the opportunity to actually do a VIP event where uh, I got to meet him. And he did a – so basically the way it was set up is you went in and he did – about 30 people uh, from the audience there, and he did about a 35, 40 minute uh, Q and A session. People asked him about his, you know, about his life and about his music. And uh, I asked him what he was going to do next. He said he wants to work on a Broadway musical. That got me really excited. But uh, then he did a sound check, and it was all requests. And so you could, you know, and they, his handler said that more challenging the better's. So, you know, if you give us something he doesn't know well, he's got this big book of everything he's ever uh, performed. He carries a book of some of the things he didn't write that he plays, too. So anyway, he did about a 30-minute sound check. He did both songs I requested, one of which I'd never heard him play live before. So that was quite a thrill. Uh, that was one I didn't cry, but I got very weak-kneed listening to it. So uh, anyway, uh, he played for 30 minutes or so. And then they said, okay, everybody get in line. And you got in line and everybody got a picture, uh, like a print that they had of him for him to autograph. And then you got a picture with him. And I walked up and I shook his hand and I said, Ben, uh, I first saw him at Rudy Hall, Lawrence, Kansas in the fall of 1996. And he looked at me and said, holy shit. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, man, I go way back. And we talked about Lawrence and he talked about playing the bottleneck, which is another place uh, in Lawrence. And three minutes, and he signed the picture. And I said, "Hey, would you mind signing this uh, uh, commission?" One of my comic book artist buddies did. And it, for those of you who may know, I did a edition of Ben for me at Christmas time. And uh, yeah, he laughed. He said, "Oh, that's great!" And he signed it. And um, you know, I thanked him for. Off I went, and I got my little bit of time with him. And then he played. He played a very good show. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of newer stuff. It was not an all request show, which was kind of surprising but uh anyway no it was it was amazing i you know i was a, a little, little i told i told my little leery of meeting him because i wasn't sure if it was going to be everything i had built in my mind it wasn't going to be worth the uh outlay to to do it because I, I went to charlottesville which was a 70 minute drive each way and i'm in the you know the vip tick everything but it was it was amazing and i'm so glad i did it and i would just like I tell you, know, we talk about going to see you know people at cons and telling them thank you. You know, if you have a, an artist performer, somebody like that, that you have, have an opportunity to do something like that, and you have the ability to do it, just do it. Uh, you will not. I don't think you'll be disappointed if you are. I'm sorry, I certainly was not. It was it was a tremendous experience. That's awesome. And, and, and well, yeah, it was, was it was out to be. Yeah, and what was the what was the song that he played of yours? The uh, rec- uh, the Skype kind of cut out there, uh, and at, right right when you said the title, it sorry, out. <laughs> no, I, rec- I didn't mention them, but uh, one is a cover of an Irish band called the Divine Comedy. And the song's called Songs of Love, okay. and he actually talked for two minutes talk about uh, about uh, about that band, and then I I called out. Where where summer be? Which is I told Heidi the next day. The one thing I wish I would have yelled out because I think he probably would have laughed. Uh, for those of you that watch Community, the ballad of that bandit, I wish I had yelled that because he appeared on that episode, the song, the exit song for it, about the ass crack bandit. And I, I regret that I didn't yell it, but I didn't, didn't think of while I was standing there. So <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I can only imagine like how awesome, how amazing that would be to have that experience, especially someone you've been following for that long and enjoyed his career. And like you said, you've seen him so many times. Um, that would just be incredible to finally like get to meet him. And, and that uh, commission piece that you had uh, done of uh, done by Christy Russo, like that number one was awesome. And, and I have, you have to figure like he's never seen something like that before. 
So, you know, I imagine he did get a big kick out, well, out of that. So what was great was that there was a couple in front of me that uh, they brought a wedding picture for him to sign because he has a song called The Luckiest. And, you know, it's his probably his biggest solo single. And it's played at a lot of weddings while well, this couple played it at their wedding and they were standing right in front of me and they had a fabric wrapped uh, uh you know like one of those uh wooden framed photograph of a so it wasn't a picture it was that actual canvas and they just went on and on and on and told him all about playing and he was really cool about it. he's like oh that's great and he signed the picture and then during the encore he played the luckiest and he's like i met this couple earlier and they had this this great story about their wedding and I signed this picture and they were sitting a row in front of me and they, they just were shaking. They were so excited. And uh, I was excited for them because I stood there and talked to them about, you know, about, about, about the song and about, you know, and it also made it easier for me to ask for him to sign something else too, because he just signed that for them. So. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, <clears throat> a couple things, uh, for me, one is, uh, I'm going to see another like living legend, uh, I guess. Uh, it's someone I grew up listening to because my parents listened to him. And uh, my wife and I are actually going to go see at the end of May uh, Neil Diamond. And so, uh, so this year, th- 2017 has been a pretty incredible year for me. <laughs> I've gotten to see Bon Jovi in concert. I'm going to be seeing Neil Diamond. I'm going to be seeing Billy Joel. Um, that was awesome. Uh, and then, uh, just recently, uh, I got to see one of my comedic, uh, icons, which was Billy Crystal. Uh, he came, he's doing a tour right now where he, it's kind of like an interview setting and he has someone that asks some questions about his life and he goes right from his start of his career to what he's doing current day. And, uh, he says he's made a comment about this show saying it's one of his favorite things he's he's ever done because every show is different because you know he just goes off on tangents and if you've ever seen Billy Crystal do stand up comedy you know like that's what he does he you know that's there's a reason him and Robin Williams always got along really well together and and worked really well well me growing up uh and some people know this some people don't uh but just to put it out there like my dad with his dad, my grandfather, their bond was boxing. They would watch a lot of boxing matches together. Well, my bond with my dad was stand-up comedians. We, I watched so many stand-up comedians with my dad growing up, and it was amazing. And a lot of them I watched when I probably shouldn't have been watching them. Like, I was definitely at a young age when I saw my first George Carlin and uh, Stephen Wright and uh, Robin <laughs> Williams and Eddie Murphy and Bill Cosby and stuff like that. And Bill Cosby, obviously, at the time uh, was uh, mild for it was perfectly fine for a kid to watch. But, yeah, some of those other ones, not not so much. Um, but one of the things I always remember and always loved was uh, him and I would watch Comic Relief. And for those that don't know what it is, Comic Relief was a charity campaign uh, done by, it was basically stand-up comedian after stand-up comedian and, uh, and some comedy bits and everything else. And it was to raise money for the homeless in America. And it was, so it was a really cool cause. And it was always, the main hosts of it were always Robin Williams, Billy Crystal, and Whoopi Goldberg. And to see Robin Williams and Billy Crystal as a comedy team was just amazing on that stage. I was fortunate enough, I mentioned it back when he passed away, I was fortunate enough to go see Robin Williams on stage uh, when he came was doing a tour, and now I got to see Billy Crystal on stage. So this was just, like, epic for me. Uh, he was absolutely hilarious. He did, like, a two- to two-and-a-half-hour show where he just told stories of his life. And I leaned over to my wife and I said, I could sit here all night and listen to these stories. Um, they were amazing. Uh, one of which I, I wanted to share with you guys, and, and John, I know I, I shared this one already with you, but it just it's probably the, one of the best ones from the night. Um, and if you want to hear some of the other ones that he talked about when I'm, when we're in Baltimore, ask me. I'm, I'm happy to share some of the other stories. But um, he was talking about his first time meeting Sammy Davis Jr. And he didn't do this, the impersonation of Sammy Davis Jr. at the time or anything like that. He did, actually did it after he met him. And uh, so he was still pretty early in his career and everything else. He went out to Vegas, and they were going to do a 28-day show together. 
and he would open for Sammy Davis Jr. So he does, does his comedy bit like 20 to 30 minutes, and then he introduces Sammy Davis Jr., and Sammy Davis Jr. comes out, and he goes, let me tell you about this cat over here. And he's like, we were supposed to do this show about a year ago, and as many of you know, I wasn't feeling well. I was in the hospital. And he says, and this guy, this is the type of guy he is. He, he sneaks into the hospital, dresses a doctor, comes up to my room, up to the window and holds up a sign that says, Sammy, we can't do it without you. And Billy Crystal goes, that's a really su- you know, sweet story, right? He goes, yeah, it never happened. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's like, did not happen at all. He says, I had just met Sammy Davis Jr. before we did this show. <laughs> so he says, so the next night, he says, I go out and I do my bit. And he says, I introduce him. He comes out and he tells another story that never happened. So he says, so I go back to the uh, the recording booth and I says, can you do me a favor? Can you record all of Sammy's openings uh, just so this way uh, I can have them all like compiled together? He says, we did 28 shows in 28 days and he told 28 stories, all of which never happened. If you heard all of them put together, you'd think we were the best of friends that we've known each other for years. Uh, and he says, and they were all nice things about me. He says, it wasn't like he was saying anything bad about me or anything like that. He just, he made me seem like the most amazing person in the world. Um, and that just cracked me up. And he, he told about how Sammy Davis Jr. was a practical, uh, practical joker. They would pull pranks on each other all the time. Um, and it, and it was just, it was awesome. Like to hear him tell stories like that, it was just absolutely incredible. So, um, so yeah, next next up is Neil Diamond, and then next after that is Billy Joel. So I'm gonna have some awesome stories coming up in the months ahead. I, I think it, that's pretty mind boggling. Yeah, anniversary tour, Neil Diamond. Yeah, Man, that's that's astounding. Yeah, yeah. And one the thing is, like my parents, I grew up in a house. My parents played his music all the time, so um, I know all of his songs. And in fact, when we went. My parents and I went to Vegas one year, and they took us to a Neil Diamond impersonator, who actually did a phenomenal job. Um, and we got to meet him after the show and take a picture with him and everything else. But uh, yeah, it's it's again, there's like there's reasons that I am looking forward to meeting, you know, seeing all these people in concert and everything else is because like it's either something I grew up enjoying or it's something that i grew up enjoying because of my parents or you know there's just these really cool connections and everything else and this year has just been amazingly loaded with stuff like that um and we actually won uh the tickets to go see nail diamond so it's not even you know my wife has xm radio and they were like if you sign in at nine o'clock tonight you can have a chance to win tickets so she tried and she won them so uh, was, she was like, you want to go see Neil Diamond? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so she signed in. She won them, and uh, we're going to go. I don't know how good the seats are. Uh, usually with XM Radio, they're pretty decent, though. Uh, we've gone to two other concerts that way. So I <laughs> um, actually got to see Counting Crows and Rob Thomas that way, and the seats were pretty good. So should be a good time. Uh, so you ready to talk some, uh, talk some G.I. Joe? I'm always ready to talk some G.I. Joe comics. <laughs> so I will say, John, this episode or this issue was uh, one of my favorite ones. You, and I, I remember the uh, uh, earlier ones that we did, you know, that I covered on the show. And there was so much fun stuff in this issue uh, that I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I feel like this is me personally i feel like this is when joe much like we were saying with the micronauts i feel like this is when joe was really starting to reach its stride um and the characters were really getting fleshed out and everything else so i i, I would definitely agree there's some really great stuff here and uh, like i said you know just from the from the minute i pulled the issue out looked at the cover i'm like oh yeah i'm in let's let's just you know let's <laughs> yeah let's see where we go but it was it's a really good read absolutely so uh, let's start with the cover because uh, there is a lot going on uh, in in this this cover. So um, you got Destro there, uh, and this is actually Destro's first full appearance. Like he's appeared in earlier issues, but this is the first time we see him in you know fully. Well, they they give you a little idea that there's going to be something going on in the book as far as a battle. It's not 
quite like this. You know, it's, I mean, this looks like it's taking place in a ravine, but uh, you know, and the the soldiers are jumping this cobra tree, jumping down from the ridges. But uh, but yeah, it's a great cover. It tells a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we get to see the APC, which was one of my favorite vehicles of Joe growing up as a kid. Like, cause that sucker could take a pounding. <laughs> I would, I would launch it off a, I would absolutely, I would launch it off of stairs and everything else. And it, yeah, it's, it bounced right back, you know? Yeah. You'd have the canopy break, you know, not break, but like pop off or something like that. But, but man, that toy was built like a truck. It would just, you know, it, it could take on anything. Uh, getting into the into the issue, um, <clears throat> so we have this is uh, written by Larry Hama. Uh, it's penciled by Mike Vosberg. Uh, the inker is uh, John D'Agostino. Uh, letterer is uh, Jay Rosen. Colorist is C. Scheel. Uh, editor is Denny O'Neill, and editor in chief is Jim Shooter. Now, John, do you have the actual issue, or I'm just to let you know what I'm going through is I'm going through the uh, IDW Complete Collection Volume Two is where it appears for me. So I have the old school as what we call them, what floppies, isn't that what we decided we call them? <laughs> yes, yes, I have the floppy first print, circa August 1983. That's what I've got. Nice, nice. Well, once again, much like the Micronauts issue, you have to let me know when there's like some interesting ads or anything like that to to talk about. Will do. Cool. All right, so this uh, this is titled Destro Attacks. Uh, and here's the thing I love about these old classic issues. So it has been two and a half years since we covered the last issue. But there was really no need to do a recap because this issue gives you the recap. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, it does. So uh, you find out it's 50 feet below a uh, jungle river in Sierra Gordo. Snake Eyes is trapped in a sunken Cobra Bunker with the evil Dr. Venom and the Eskimo Mercenary Quinn. Boom. One sentence, you know everything that's happened up to this point. <laughs> um, and then Quinn kind of gives you a little bit more about like what's, what's kind of been going on and how they ended up there and everything else. And uh, Dr. Venom is, is uh, holding a chair up against uh, Snake Eyes, telling him that uh, to stop his his tapping and signaling for the GI Joe members. And Quinn is basically telling Dr. Venom, look, I don't care who saves us. Uh, we need to get out of here. So I said, we need help. Yes. <laughs> um, so, and I don't know what Dr. Venom thought he was going to accomplish by going up against uh, snake eyes with the chair. Uh, but he, he was going to kill snake eyes with his bare hands and snake eyes kind of showed him in one fell swoop that, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> he breaks the chair with a little karate chop there. And then, uh, uh, Quinn looking very hulkish in the next panel, uh, says, stop it. Don't you understand? We either help each other or else we all die. Um, and this is, and then Dr. Venom gets very philosophical and asks Quinn if he fears death. And he says, I have a healthy respect. <laughs> um, and we find out that Dr. Venom actually has uh, a vial of the plague uh, toxin, uh, which we find out later is just the catalyst uh, for it. But he, the Baroness actually thinks she has the real uh, plague, but she doesn't. So uh, Then we're back at G.I. Joe headquarters, and uh, we find out that they have this micro dot map uh, that they were provided, that they, they think they found. Um, and... Uh, Scarlet call, calls over Hawk and says Breaker's got a, a printout of the map. And you had to love seeing Breaker blowing his bubble gum and uh, <laughs> ripping off his ripping off. But that artistic choice of no beard is there again. They, yes. they, they were so inconsistent with him and the beard. <laughs> <laughs> and you're more of a Breaker he has with blown the, the bubbles off. You're more of a Breaker with the beard, correct? I am more of a Breaker with the beard, yes. Okay. They they find out like hey let's let's run you know this information they believe that Snake Eyes is actually dead um, so it's kind of evening the, they're looking to even the score for Snake Eyes uh, meanwhile we're back at Cobra headquarters and uh, 
kind of an awkward, <laughs> just some of the wording was a little awkward for me with this. It was like, uh, where Baron says like, must I call you by the, that awful name, even in private? And, uh, it's, it's like, say my name <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and then, so here's something funny too, like total modern, like looking back, I, I didn't read this line the right way. The first time when the Baroness says I'm late, she just meant she was late meeting up with Cobra commander. But my initial thought was, wait, <laughs> is she pregnant? <laughs> she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Cause she's like walking away and he's like telling her, I don't think our 10 year old minds would have thought that way. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, um, but like, uh, and he's like, please just say my say my name, say my new name. I'm thinking like never ending story, like Bastion, please say my name. <laughs> and uh, she finally says <laughs> Destro uh, on the next page there. And uh, we see Destro in full glory right there. Um, and uh, he's, his mask kind of has that. Uh, in this panel, in the the one where you see him fully formed, kind of has that look of uh, uh, what are the smiling face and the sad face for theater? I can't remember what they're called. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. his mask kind of. I just call them theater masks. Yeah, but I. Um, <clears throat> so then we have uh, back in the bunker. Uh, Quinn is like, "Why kill us? It was the Baroness that tried to to do you in." Uh, and then we see that Dr. Venom's gonna is opening up the valve, uh, which uh, is letting water in, and Quinn is panicking because he's like, you know, you're gonna flood us all up. And and at the time, like you were saying, like you know, our younger minds when we're reading this, you know, we're thinking we're not thinking logically like that they need to do this in order to get out. We're you know, which we find out later, we're thinking. Dr. Venom's lost it and he's going to try to drown all of them. Right. Right. So then we go back to the, the Joe base where we have uh, uh, clutch is uh, driving in general flag and uh, points out that, you know, we have information which they show that that micro dot shows a, a town of Springfield in Vermont, which they think is the uh, Cobra headquarters, uh, which we know that Springfield plays a big role uh, multiple times throughout the series. Uh, however, their headquarters is not in Vermont, even though uh, that's where they believe they're, they're going. So um, I personally loved uh, the line. There's a couple things I love with this. Number one, they, they pointed out that uh, Cobra Commander doesn't have any hobbies other than shooting targets with machine guns. And then a few panels later, we see Cobra <laughs> Commander shooting targets with a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was brilliant. And then my favorite line from the entire issue was, "Who knows? Maybe this is a this is home base. Maybe we can catch them picking their noses with their feet on the kitchen table." <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like Larry Hama to me, right? <laughs> Um, so like I said, we do have Cobra Commander. He's he's shooting uh, at targets with a machine gun, uh, which are, are like what, like ten feet away. <laughs> Some weird spotlights on him or something. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's almost like uh, Star Trek. The like they were the targets were beamed in or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, we have him asking the Baroness about the micro micro dot uh, that was planted. Asked her if she planted it herself. Um, and she says yes. And that, uh, he asked if Dr. Venom was dead and, and she was like, absolutely. Along with snake eyes and Quinn. And he's like, did you plant the micro dot yourself? And she's like, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I be the one that did that? So, um, so as far as Cobra commander knows this, there's this fake micro dot that got out to Joe that he planted. He purposely had the Baroness plant for him. Uh, and Dr. Venom, along with Snake Eyes and Quinn, are deceased. Uh, elsewhere in Cobra Headquarters, we have uh, Destro talking to Scarface. 
and asking him if he was able to switch the microdots. So now we find out that the microdots the Joes have are is actually something that Cobra Commander didn't want them to have. Uh, why you would create two microdots, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then he says, of course, uh, Destro, the Baroness didn't want to go through the jungle, so now we find out that the Baroness didn't, you know, Baroness wasn't the one that was going to plant the microdot, even though she's taking credit for it. Um, and uh, we go back to Quinn and Snake Eyes and uh, Dr. Venom in the vault, and this is where Dr. Venom explains to them that we need to let the water in, so this way, uh, because there's so much water above them, it's applying pressure to the vault, and the door will never open. Uh, if they don't let the water in, it doesn't matter how strong you are. Uh, but when, but that Quinn is the strongest of them, and that he's going to have to be the one that opens the door. Uh, but in order to do that, he's like, you'll have to leave your gun and flashlight with me, because, of course, Dr. Venom wants to get the upper hand. Um, we're back at Joe Base, and we get uh, the heavy equipment level of the pit, which has the APC. Uh, we find out that Scarlet, Breaker, Doc, Stalker, Gung-Ho, Grunt, and Zap uh, are going on the personnel carrier. Uh, and then <laughs> he's... And then... Uh, we get, uh, I don't know, it's like, rock, oh yeah, Rock and Roll says, Hawk, what about me and Clutch? And he says, Rock and Roll, you man the gun turret, Clutch drives, uh, and I ride shotgun. Any other stupid questions? <laughs> Although, it's funny, because I think, I, think, uh, I think our inker on this book, uh, Diagostino, may have missed a wheel. If you look on the, uh, oh, yeah. look at the, the APC. APC there, and the next panel on the next page, because it's, it's missing, it looks like it's, it's, uh, the wheels are just in the wrong place. There's a lot of a lot of a uh, extra APC behind that rear wheel. Yeah. Or if it's missing a wheel, him and Shannon have a lot in common. Something. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're gonna have to play this episode for Shannon so he can punch me in the face next time he sees me. <laughs> um. And I also felt like, like we were saying earlier, this is true Larry Hama to, to put in a line that says, any other stupid questions? <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> um, so they head out. They're going out to the uh, – they, they're like, are we going to have to drive all the way out there because we're going to need to stop for gas and a map? <laughs> so they, they said you're going to have to just drive out to the baseball field, which evidently there's a game going on <laughs> when they drive out there. And I love the two teams that are playing against each other. It is the it's a major playoff going on between the chaplain assistants and the permanent latrine orderlies. <laughs> um, Seems like the chaplain's assistants pop up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we find out that how they're going to get out of there is this giant helicopter is going to come and pick him up which is flown by wild bill uh picks him up and flies him out of there and he's like uh, hang on tight pards next stop is springfield now we've got uh cobra headquarters and we have destro who is uh talking to scarface again and uh says cobra commander is going to meet his destiny and so we know the destro's basically setting up Cobra Commander to fail and uh, finds out that the Baroness is actually going to be flying the rocket and he's like, I thought the Cobra Commander always went alone and, he, and Scarface says he does travel alone but the Baroness always fl uh, pilots the plane. What was that? No, I said, yeah, he flies alone but she's always, uh, she's flying him which that makes no sense. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, so then we see that the water is almost filled up to the top uh, and uh, the Dr. Venom set, uh, says that, okay, you're going to need to hand me over your gun and your light because uh, so, you don't want to burden yourself. And Quinn says, it's, it's no bother, Dr. Venom, really. You know, I've got this. And then we have uh, Quinn pulling off his, uh, his own impression of uh, Brave Star, I think, which is he's thinking to himself, spirit of the otter help, help me dive deep. Spirit of the Bear, give me strength to open this door. And Spirit of the Weasel, give me counsel to outwit this Dr. Venom. 
they're flying out to uh so we're back with the joes who are flying over springfield or flying out to springfield they said that they can't fly right in there they'll alert uh everyone uh scarlet asks like why don't we just infiltrate in civvies and uh hawk explains to her like we're gonna have to go in by force uh because otherwise they'll all scatter uh, Clutch making a smart-ass comment, as he often has done with with Scarlet, and he says, maybe your next idea will be better. <laughs> and she, she says, Clutch, you're despicable. And he goes, thanks, I like you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, then all of a sudden, there's a whoosh that goes by, and uh, uh, Stalker realizes that the sky is empty, but it felt like something just flew past them. Uh, Wild Bill says it must have been something supersonic, but uh, the sky you know, it's impossible to see, but it's flying way too low for it to be an authorized flight. Uh, Cobra Commander notices that, you know, they just flew past a military helicopter, and the Baroness says there's no way that they would have noticed uh, them. Uh, she says, let me radio ahead. And uh, we have a telephone phone call that comes in so <laughs> to Arbco Furniture Company. And we have an old guy that looks like he should be not answering a telephone, but a tele telegraph machine. And uh, he does a whole, uh, yes, Baroness, all hail mighty Cobra. He does a whole Zig Heil uh, salute, which is the best way to show that Cobra is a bad guy, is uh, have him impersonate the Nazis. Uh, they call up the, uh, the tower to block out the radio signals. Uh, and then we get uh, back at, Cobra headquarters, uh, Scarface is like, why, you know, why are we dropping in uh, into Vermont with a squad of airborne troopers? How do you know that Cobra Commander is in any danger? And uh, Destro says, well, uh, don't question me on my information. Uh, I know a lot about you. So this is where we kind of get some hints that there's a secret shady past to Scarface himself. And uh, Destro seems to know about it. Uh, we go back to Quinn and Dr. Venom and Snake Eyes. Uh, Quinn got the door open and Snake Eyes swims out. And just as Dr. Venom is swimming out, he hits Quinn over the head with a wrench. And he realizes all he has left to do is deal with Snake Eyes. Uh, we have Dr. Venom popping up out of the water. And <clears throat> uh, he says, uh, says to Snake Eyes, you're wondering about your Eskimo friend. He's dead, and so will you be after. And they, then he notices there's a bunch of guns being pointed at him, uh, at both of them, really. And the, the guns are actually being handled by... Uh, this was the one thing that got a little confusing for me. So it's the Cobra Troop... He says, we're Cobra Troopers... We came into the jungle disguised as renegade government soldiers to rescue a G.I. Joe team from the real renegades. Uh, the Joes left behind a whole clearing full of uh, booby traps, uh, chewed us up bad. Some thanks we got, huh? So these are Cobra agents that Cobra Commander sent then? I guess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't... I. You, you left us two and a half years ago. I haven't read that last <laughs> issue in a while. I should have read it. To bone up for I, I, do, I don't remember, but yeah, I'm, what I'm assuming is they were some kind of, uh, yeah, they were sent on Destro or the Baroness, but. Yeah. I do remember the booby traps. I remember the, the booby traps being set and a lot of them getting taken out and everything else, but, but yeah, I was like, they, you know, they tried to explain who they were and everything else, and I was just like, all right, I'm just going to keep reading and see what happens. <laughs> um, so then we have Wild Bill dropping them off. He says, good hunting. Uh, I, I love it while Bill, the, the wording, just follow, follow this road up over the mountain <laughs> and she'll bring you right into Springfield. So you don't follow something, you follow it. F-O-L-L-E-R. Follow. <laughs> um, inside the furniture factory, uh, we have all, you know, all hail mighty Cobra. Cobra commander's walking in, asks if the volunteer is prepared. Um, Baroness says yes. Uh, however, they're they're about to inject him with the the uh, plague, so they have to make sure that they're covered up. Uh, Cobra Commander states that his suit that he's wearing is airtight, so the Baroness puts on her gas mask and protective gear. 
Um, five miles from uh, Springfield, uh, we have Stalker and Gung Ho are back from a scouting mission to let them know what everything looks like in Springfield. Um, so Gung Ho lets, them, lets Hawk know that it looks like everything looks pretty you know, quiet, um, except for uh, there is this furniture factory on the outskirts that's a, a tad fishy, or actually Stalker was letting Hawk know that, and he says, Hawk says, any particular reason, uh, or just your gut feeling, and Stalker says, well, it's Arbco, which is an anagram for Cobra, and Hawk's like, okay, bingo, that's that's the place, so uh, we're back with, uh, <laughs> we're back with uh, Snake Eyes and Dr. Venom, Dr. Venom's trying to plea with the these uh, renegades that, uh, to you know, you know, take out the Joe instead, and they point out that Cobra Commander wanted him, the wanted Doctor Venom dead as well. So uh, Doctor Venom says, "I have money, uh, Swiss accounts, please." <laughs> uh, we now see uh, <laughs> uh, Destro. He has landed now with his air troopers, and the there's a. Uh, Scarface points out that it's uh, five miles to Springfield as the crow flies, uh, but they can take the road, and uh, Destro points out that the road is for the weak. Uh, also, it's important to keep in mind that uh, how the crow flies is very important in this issue because it's not the only time we're going to hear about how the crow flies. <laughs> uh, we get the uh, we get a farmer who's evidently whose property is who they landed in. And the, the uh, wife says skydiving joggers with costumes. What will they think of next? And the farmer says, must be from New York. Everybody's crazy down there. <laughs> uh, That's great. Yeah. I love that. Um, Baroness is going to, is about to inject the, uh, the volunteer. And she says that the plague will not, hurt the volunteer uh but any after a little while anybody within two weeks of incubation anyone that he touches will pretty much be deadly and they figure by then they'll be able to get him into gi joe headquarters uh we then have uh, uh the apc and uh hawk is wanting to know like how far is it to get to where to the uh to springfield and this <laughs> is where Clutch says, uh, we'll have to take the road that swings uh, north five miles worth, but it's only two miles away as the crow flies due west. So <laughs> make sure you know, anytime you're going somewhere, know how far it is by the way the crow flies. There you go. Yeah. Hey, so the next page is a double double page of ads? Yes. And back then... Subscribe to Marvel Comics for only forty-two cents a copy. Wow! Thirteen issues of your favorite comic for five dollars and fifty cents. Yeah. Pay only pay only forty-two cents an issue on the newsstand. You'd pay sixty cents. Yeah. Uh, comics. Yes. So anyway, yeah that that made me laugh. I I I wish they were still that price this day. <laughs> can you can you imagine getting a subscription for that price? Well, I mean, a comic. Some comics cost more than five fifty or whatever for you know. Oh yeah, special issue or or something. So no, I can't. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was all. That was all from an ads perspective. Here. Oh yeah, for sure. That's awesome though. I love that stuff. So now we have, uh, I believe it's Scarface in the back. He's saying, "Destro, this pace will kill us." And he's like, uh, "No, the Joes uh, beat us to Springfield. I'll kill you." <laughs> uh, and then we're back with the Renegades, and they were about to shoot. Dr. Venom and Snake Eyes, but one of them points out that if we shoot them, then we have to carry them back. So how about if we make them walk back, and then we'll shoot them there. And the head of the Renegade says, that's a good idea. I was planning on just taking their heads uh, with me, but this will be a much neater, much cleaner process. So uh, we have the, the Baroness uh, has now injected the the volunteer and Cobra commander wants to know if she resealed the, the vial with the toxin in it. And she says, yes, everything's safe. We then get another panel, uh, where Hawk and the team is getting close. It's just over the next hill. Uh, we then see, uh, Destro and his team 
They're running, and Scarface points out that one of the men felt is falling behind, and so Destro says, shoot him, <laughs> and then get to the back position, and anyone else that falls behind, do the same. <laughs> uh, and it's really just panel after panel of, like, all the action that's happening. So we have, then we see that the... Like, vom- I'm sorry, what was that? No, I was just say they kind of interweave all the stories now, and I kind of like that. I like how you jump from story, you know, all the different perspectives. Yeah, for sure. It kind of it kind of enhances the action and everything else. It's like it's a it's a race to get to to the location. Um, we see the volunteer is doubled over and he's moaning. Uh, then Destro points out that uh, they're almost there. It's just over the next rise. Uh, Hawk and the APC is almost there. They do see the they see the building. Um, and then the Baroness points out that the volunteer is now dead. There must, must have been some type of catalyst that the uh, Dr. Venom uh, tricked them by not providing to them. And then uh, Dr. Venom has got a big smile on his face, and he points out the fact that, you know, Cobra Commander sold him out, but, you know, he'll get the last laugh. And uh, the Renegade says, what are you babbling about? Uh Death, uh, the APC just comes across Destro's team, and they're like, it's a Cobra ambush. Uh, so they, it's almost like they think this whole thing was planned to stop them. Destro points out, you know, we have to hold them back and not let them reach the factory. Uh, they recognize Destro. They say that's the, uh, the uh, big shot we ran into in Alaska in the pipeline caper, which happened in G.I. Joe number 11, so just a few issues ago. And then uh, Hawk points out, we hit the jackpot. Whatever's in that old f- furniture factory must be pretty important if they're going uh, to all this bother to keep us away. You know, uh, one of the Cobra agents comes comes in, the, the old telegraph guy, and says, uh, Cobra Commander, the G.I. Joe team is attacking the factory. Uh, Cobra Commander uh, calls for an evacuation, and uh, as, he, as he's known to do. And uh, the factory uh, getting attacked by uh, Joe... But it, uh, Hawk notices that there's a missile silo opening up, which is what we know is just really the the rocket plane. Uh, but it looks like it's an ICBM. So Hawk calls in the Sky Striker team, uh, led by Ace, and this is Ace's first appearance in GI Joe. Uh, it's a, a pr- fairly, I mean, not a minor role, but it's a minor appearance of him. We only really see his face at one point. But Hawk calls them in and tells them we need to make that factory matchsticks uh, city. And <laughs> the, there's 10 seconds to launch of the the rocket plane. And so we see the countdown and you see the battle going on, which I thought this was really cool. Again, adds to the intensity. Really cool. Yeah, so you got the APCs heading towards the factory. You got a bunch of explosions going on. It says 8-7. You got Destro shooting and you see 6-5 and... He's shooting his, his uh, not only is he shooting his gun, but if you notice, he also shoots the missiles, his wrist missiles. Um, yep. If you look at the bottom of the panel there. Uh, then we see uh, the Sky Strikers swooping down, and it says 4-3. And then you see a bunch of Sky Strikers, and they're shooting their missiles off, and it's 2-1-0. And you see the rocket take off, and then the missiles come, and Destro has to dive to get out of the way. And boom. Blows up the uh, the factory there. Uh, Destro's being helped away by his men, and they're he's like, "Oh, the rocket plane got away. The Baroness is safe." And they're like, "Yeah, you saved Cobra Commander." He's like, "Yeah, that too." <laughs> <laughs> um, Hawk recognizing that what came out of the silo wasn't an ICBM, uh, and it was some sort of rocket plane. And fortunately, it's going to get away. And uh, Clutch points out the. Old APC done good. It took a licking and kept on ticking. So definitely a sign of the times uh, with that comment. <laughs> and then you have uh, Breaker saying, looks like we're back to square one, Hawk. We didn't pass go. Yeah. We didn't collect $200. <laughs> and then we close out with uh, Quinn. Or not Quinn. We have, uh, close out with uh, Dr. Venom and uh, Snake Eyes being marched off by the, the Renegades. And they point out that Quinn is dead. He hasn't come up uh, for air. Dr. Venom points out that he hit him with a wrench. And as they all leave, we see air bubbles coming up from the water. And then it goes down to the vault, and we see some air bubbles from the vault. So is Quinn really dead? Stay tuned next time. So, so uh, had a cool ending. Uh, 
again leaves on a bit of a cliffhanger. Like there there was a there was a conclusion to the story, but at the same time there wasn't because we still have Doctor Venom and Snake Eyes in danger. So, what do you think overall with with the issue, John? I loved it. I love all these early books. You know, up through about, and I think most people could. Argue, I used to say up through about issue sixty. I think is so good. It's just so good, and I especially, you know, those of you that know me, know how much I I love the Quinn character. He's one of my favorites of all time, and so I love anything with with Quinn. And of course, I get a lot of Breaker, which is great. Uh, they do give Clutch the appropriate amount of five o'clock shadow, which is awesome. But yeah, that, that, these stories are just so so much fun. And again, you know, I I love the. The storytelling is so well done. The, the layouts and the, you know, the the, the paneling and all uh, to intersperse, especially like we were talking about. You, know, you were talking about with the battle there at yeah. the end and the, you know, kind of cutting different characters. This stuff's just great. I mean, there's no way around it. And of course, most people still say, you know, well, that was a. You compare, you know, you uh, when you think about the toys, I. I <laughs> Yeah, I had an APC. It, you could beat yeah. the hell out of it, and that was fun. Uh, you know, you could, you could. I had a Sky Striker. I always had fun playing with that too. So, uh, but you know, it's funny for all the time I, for all the comics I had and all the figures I had, I never played Sierra Gordo or any of that kind of stuff with them. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I had the APC and I had the, <laughs> I had the Sky Striker. Um, I have a Sky Striker now, uh, and I have an APC now. Um, but uh, I don't have the classic Sky Striker. I have the one that came out a few years ago, which had uh, Gary Goggles' head in it. Uh, the figure it was like the kind of like a shadow Sky Striker. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I never. I always made up my own adventures. It was never. I never followed any story of like the cartoon or the comic or anything like that. It was always, you know, didn't it was didn't they bring out, Cobra. Yeah, didn't they bring out a Scarface figure a few years ago? <sighs> I want to say they did. Um, I feel like I want to say they did too. I, I kind of forgot. Yeah, figure people, let us know. So I yeah. think did, but. I'm almost. Yeah, yeah. I almost. I want to say. I almost want to say they. They did for sure. So, um, that's an interesting character too. Like uh, I know we get a little bit more of him later on and everything else. So, um, but that it was interesting too because that was a character who. Much like Doctor Venom and even Billy, who we you know we get later again, um, you know we've seen Billy as a kid and everything else, but we'll we'll get Billy later as well. Um, the comic characters really didn't have much of a presence in the toys uh, at all, um, and that was a that was a discussion I always had with uh, Gary Godso from uh, uh, What's on Joe Mind. He was just like, you know, I said, you know, Star Wars seem to create all of these action figures. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, just a minor character in, in Star Wars, you know, would get an action figure. But he says, you really can't do that with G.I. Joe. And I says, you could if you go to the comics. Because I was like, yeah, there's not a whole lot maybe with the cartoon. I mean, you could do different versions and everything else. But I said, if you went to the source material of the comics and everything else, I was like, there's a lot of characters that just never got figures made or different looks of different characters that never got figures made. Um, I still say I want Stalker in a pimp outfit. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, no, this, like I said, this is just this really, all um, these, all these issues are just so solid, I think. I mean, but like you said, I think they, probably what, issue five or six, that's when they really start to get their groove and, you know, you start getting these, yeah. overarching ish you know stories too so that you know we're going to have some type of conclusion sooner than later with uh with dr venom and all but uh but yeah this is just fun stuff well and i i just love too like it was there was high action there was a lot of like really cool intense scenes and everything else but you still also had like the comedy lines and everything else the things that were said that are just like yeah that's classic cheesy gi joe moments and everything else sure. um but they totally work too so um, I've been saying for a long time on this show, like they they need to do uh, a GI Joe comic, much like they did the Danger Girl crossover, where it's it's a little bit more tongue in cheek, but there's still like 
that reminds that miniseries that they did reminds me a little bit more of this classic GI Joe because there was high action, but there was still some you know funny lines, funny things that were said, and everything else, and classic looks of the characters and everything else, and that's what I feel like we get with these even these comics. These ones are a bit more serious than that one was, and but at the same time, like I said, it, it's still lighthearted. Like this was these were comics that were designed for kids to read. They you know there was intense stuff going on. But even nowadays, I would have no problem giving one of these comics to a kid to read, even with our heightened sensitivity to violence and everything sure. else nowadays. So, so um, yeah, I absolutely love love the issue. Um, looking forward to covering more of it. Uh, I like I said, I, I definitely want to cover uh, get back to covering some of the Star Wars Marvel run. I want to get back to covering some of the Transformers Marvel run because uh, I know we've been lapsed in doing that, and that's really. These issues were the backbone of this podcast. Like it was to to get back into talking about comics and everything else. And and I love talking about the movies. We're not done talking about the movies. Uh, I love you know I love doing the animated episodes. We're definitely going to be doing an animated episode in the near future once we can kind of get at least three of us together to do one of those. Um, <clears throat> I know Robert and Shannon are both eager to to get back on the show and and do an episode. Uh, we've been in talks with them. So, um, so there's a lot of good stuff coming, but I definitely want to get back to these, these original comic series and, and kind of go through there. And I definitely want to hear from the listeners too. Like what, you know, were some of these issues, their favorite, you know, some of their favorite issues. I know our buddy Jason Adams out there, this was for sure a awesome issue for him because his boy Ace finally appears in the issue. So. Um, and he didn't crash. He didn't crash. Yes. <laughs> uh, I did tell Jason that we will we will have him on for one of these uh, retro issues. So uh, when, when we find one where Ace is going to be in it quite a bit, I told him we'll have we'll have him on for that episode to to review that issue with us. So and Chuck, we talked with him tonight. He may be making a return, especially covering some of these old issues. So look forward to that. Um, just a lot of good stuff planned for this year. Uh, not slowing down at all. In fact, if anything, going to be ramping things up quite a bit. So, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, any any last thoughts, John? No, fun stuff as always. Awesome. So, uh, how how can they find you? You can find me Twitter John Thur- John underscore Thurmond, Facebook at John Thurmond. Uh, Virginia Comic Con is vacomiccon.com. Our next show, our two-day show, is in July, Fourth uh, of July weekend. Uh, we're gonna have Larry Hama, uh, Mike McCone, and uh, some other folks, I'm sure. But uh, I, I want to do give a quick uh, shout out or a thank you. I know it's gonna come out after voting is over, but uh, our pal Brian Shearer was up for an Inkwell Award mm-hmm. uh, for his work on the Real American Hero with Shannon. And uh, we got the word out, and I know that many of you uh, voted for yeah. Brian, and uh, I know I'm going to just thank everybody on his behalf. Uh, we, I guess he doesn't hear until June. I think it's Heroes is when they present the awards, okay. but uh, hopefully we uh, hopefully we can help get him that award because it is well deserved. Absolutely, he's done great work with uh, he's done great work on Shannon's pencils, but he's also you know I've been really excited to see him coming to his own and doing his doing the covers and you know his own works that he's doing and i love his commissions that he posts and everything so anyway uh yeah i do like i said i just wanted to thank everybody that if you did help out uh we appreciate it if you didn't that's okay uh just kind of keep keep an eye out we'll try to post those things as we get them that we can uh spread the word but again anytime that we can help out uh, especially the folks that we know and have been on the show we're uh going to do it absolutely absolutely yeah that was that was pretty awesome to see that he at the very least was nominated and everything else and i know i did my vote for him and everything and i know there was quite a few other people that voted for him so um so yeah that that was awesome to see so i wish him best of luck with that and hopefully we'll we'll hear that he he got that so um i wanted to do one uh one shout out Kind of a, a somber shout out, but still really cool was um, my local comic shop, which was uh, York, York Comics. They uh, that's the one that was closest to me. 
sadly they uh, they closed. Um, so in you know this day and age, it really always stinks when you hear about another comic shop closing. But uh, it was being done for the right reasons. There was a lot of rumors as to why he was closing and everything else. But I actually talked with the owner. Uh, he's known me for a while going in there, and he just said it's it's time. He says he's you know he's been retired for a while. Uh, he's He's got a, a father that needs his attention right now, and he just says, you know what, it's, it's, he says, no other reason other than it's just, it's time for me to close up the shop. And he, the good news is it sounds like he actually sold the business to uh, another couple who are looking to reopen the store uh, a few months down the line. Uh, so we'll see what they do uh, with it and everything else. Uh, but he had a going out of business sale, and he, I got a lot of awesome trades at really cheap prices. <laughs> um, but one of the things that was really cool that he did was uh, through my work, we are actually collecting uh, books for for kids uh, at this one elementary school. They're a bunch of fourth graders. Uh, and unfortunately, they read at a, like a second grade level. Um, and they don't really have a lot. So what we did uh, is we put together a book uh, collection, which is ending at the end of this month. And, uh, they said in the email that they sent out to us, they said that, you know, these, these kids, you know, this is the level that they read at. And one of the things that they really enjoy is comic books and graphic novels. Well, that's all you had to say to me. <laughs> and I went through my collection and I went to York comics and knew I could get a bunch of stuff uh, at a good price there since he was closing up. And I let him know that, you know, this is what I'm looking to do. And he helped me, you know, pick out some good stuff. He pointed out some things that he thought would be good for that, that age. Um, he gave me a really good deal on all that stuff. And then he even gave me a bunch of, like, he had a bunch of the Mouse Guard free comic book day hardcovers left over. Uh, he gave me all, all of those so this way I could donate those as well. Um, and I went in with, like, two big boxes of trade paperbacks um, and hardcover collections and stuff like that for these kids. There's like 25 kids, and I think I got enough stuff for like where every kid can get get at least like two items. So, um, so I was very excited about that. Like I said, I was sad to see them close up, but uh, he said that he said he's, he'll he'll listen for me on iTunes and stuff like that. So uh, he knew about the podcast and everything else, and uh, so I wish him nothing but the best of luck and. Uh, was able to be there the last day he was open. And uh, so, like I said, sad to see him close up, but uh, but I wish him nothing but the best, and I think it was awesome of him to, to get me some good deals so that way I could, could pay it forward to some kids that really uh, can find the love and joy in, in comics and everything else like we did. So, so with that being said, uh, let me give our information out. You can find us at starjoes.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. There's a group page and a fan page. Uh, the fan page, I pretty much update uh, anything that's going on with the show. The group page, I update with just about anything. Um, and we have a lot of people contributing to the fan, uh, to the group page. They're constantly posting stuff, um, which is awesome. I love I love the fact every day that I see like at least two, three, or four posts from other people besides myself. Um, that's just amazing to see that and, and people are contributing to those posts so it's not just oh there's three or four posts every day there's whole discussions underneath those posts um i'm constantly posting comic book covers every day through their stuff related to the show and stuff that came from the 80s uh, and that always seems to spark some fun discussions and everything else i also post i don't know if i've mentioned this in past episodes but every tuesday night uh which we're recording this on a tuesday night so i need to get this out there um every tuesday night i post any Star Joe's related comics that are going to be in your comic shop the next day. So if you don't know, every Wednesday is comic book day at your local comic shop. Uh, so I post every Tuesday night what Star Joe's related books should be at comic shops the next day. And then I also pick out some what we call ammo dump suggestions. And ammo dump is anything outside of the show. Uh, anything that I has caught my eye, like either it's a good jumping on point for a new title or just something interesting or something like that, I'll post that as well. So this way you always know the next day you're going to your comic shop what there is. And the thing that I also love is that people then post underneath that what they picked up from their comic shop. And I, I'd love to see more people do that. Just you know, let me know what they picked up. It doesn't have to be related to the show. Just, hey, what did you pick up at your comic shop? What are you reading? What are you enjoying? So... Um, 
absolutely love seeing that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Star Joe's Podcast. You can call and leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-JOES. Uh, evidently, I was mentioning to John, uh, that number must be close uh, in n- digits to an auto parts store here in the uh, Cleveland area because we've had a couple wrong numbers uh, <laughs> leaving messages. So, um, so please leave us a message. We'll play it on the air and we'll respond to it. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on Podbean app. Uh, we're in a whole slew of things. We do have Star Joe's merchandise. So get a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, a hoodie, um, uh, coffee mug, what have you. Just go to starjoes.com and on the right hand side you'll see Star Joe's merchandise. It's a way to help support the show. Um, and plus they look cool. I, I know so many people, including myself, that when you wear the Star Joe's shirt to a convention or something like that, people notice it and will make comments about it, uh, positive comments about it. So <laughs> um, I think that's about everything, John. Uh, and like you've always said, if, I think so. if we didn't get it this time, we'll cover it next time. So with that, we'll go ahead and close the show by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Take care, everyone.